0: This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. Assalamu alaikum, it is Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. Today, we're exploring the journey that has made celebrity chef Marun Shadid one of the most sought after in the world, where he celebrates contemporary Mediterranean cuisine. Inspired by his childhood in Lebanon, we meet the award-winning chef responsible for curating the menu at Shababik right here in Sharjah. That's next on Life Beats on Pulse 95. The heart of Sharjah. Life Beats with Sally Moussa only on Pulse 95. Harun Shadid grew up in the Lebanese village of Sarbin in the Bekaa Valley, an area rich with orchards, vineyards and farms. The enchanting smell of orange blossom flowers in the air, the sounds of chirping birds, green valleys, olive trees and farm life gave him a heightened sense of respect for nature and its resources. Maroon grew up in the midst of these animal farms, bees, and citrus trees, all of which played a vital role in setting him on the path of his lifelong quest to culinary perfection. Summers for him, were spent on the south coast of Lebanon, where he was exposed to the wealth of the Mediterranean Sea with all its beauty and diversity. Awarded in 2013 the prestigious title of Chef de l'année à l'international by the Toc Blanche du Monde, he is the first Lebanese chef to be recognized for the active role that he plays in developing and spreading Lebanese Mediterranean gastronomy, throughout the world. His cuisine not only pays homage to his Lebanese heritage, but elevates it with exciting and unexpected combinations where he produces something new from age-old traditions, always respecting ingredients, their texture and their flavour. Now Maroon Shadid oversees his signature Retage restaurant in Beirut, And he's founded his own cooking school. He serves as a TV celebrity judge on Arab Top Chef. And he's also brought his talents here to Sharjah as he curates the menu for the restaurant Shababik. Shababik has just also been recently nominated for a BBC Good Food Award. I met with Chef Maroon at Shababik, which he calls his second home after Ritaj. And I asked him about where his intense love for food comes from.
1: My inspiration, I can say, obviously I'm coming from background of a family where uh, I, I lived all my life in a village, in the West Bekaa, in a very small village called Sarbine. Uh And you know, the West Bekaa is very well known in Lebanon for its richness in produce, agriculture, uh, and all the production of uh, a dairy products. And uh, so anything that you can imagine that can come from Lebanon in terms of fruit, cereals, uh, veggies, it comes from that part of Lebanon. And obviously the family has a lot of uh, lands where we, we, me and my father and my, my, my brother and the family used to look, my grandma and my mother looked after all this. Uh, uh, lands where for us it's apple or it's olives or it's uh, plums or during season you know we do our own uh, seasonal uh, produce like tomatoes the cucumber the melon the watermelon the radish the mint uh, uh, so like next 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 to our home very small piece of land so every day when my mother want to do the fatouche she goes down chop the parsley from the garden the tomatoes and obviously, the onion is from the season before, and the olive oil is from the garden. So, so the passion came, the love of what I do came from this close relationship with the nature. And obviously, I had a mother who was a, who was a magician. She used to cook like, uh, yo, know, I'm so emotional. When I talk about my mother. <laughs> Uh, she used to cook like uh, like a magician and uh, I learned a lot from her. I learned and I, I knew that I learned not when I went to the, to the hotel school. I knew that when I started my career, maybe after five, six, seven years, I was so good in what I do. This is by the confession of my chefs, okay. and I didn't know where this passion came from. And then I started to travel and go out and do some trainings, education, competitions. I started to learn, you know, especially from, from European chefs, you know, the, because when they talk about the passion, about the family, about, about uh, the love for what they do, then I started to relate.
0: Because I want to ask you as well, you know, your favorite things that your mother used to cook for you. Uh,
1: I don't think there is some really f- a favorite dish. But for every season, you know, there was some kind of dishes. Like she used to do the best, and then when we call it, it's a tribe and intestines. Yes, and
0: yeah,
1: that is stuffed with rice and you know, the uh, the stuffed vine leaves, the kibbe uh, arnabiye, the kibbe besainye. She used to do uh, the kishik during the season, the bread, the fresh bread, the lebne, everything. She's, I told you, she was a magician.
0: Just, she was always cooking, always at home. She all
1: she had to do in her life is us, me and mine, because we're two brothers and two sisters. And all her love for the family was in what she does in the plate. You know, even in the season, you know, you do the money. you know what the money is. The money is when you prepare during summer, during the fresh season, everything, like you dry the, the beans, you make the burgul, you make the kishik, you make the pickles, you make the jams, and you keep for winter. Because Sarbin is a village that is 1050 meter above sea level, so there is there is snow, there is all severe this. Severe cold. Severe yeah. cold, so you so need
0: to preserve
1: the food. We preserve the food, and the so also use to do a lot of these things and sell, so she pays our tuition in school. Okay, so of course my father used to work and everything, but you know we're really a family of four, so uh, yeah, it's uh,
0: it's That's a magic part of
1: too many things, you know. I <laughs> love that.
0: That is just so beautiful to hear that that story of you know growing up with that food. And so tell me, when you thought, okay, I'm, I, I want to be a chef, how did that come? I
1: never thought I want to be a chef.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so what happened exactly? Maroon tells us uh, how he made the unlikely career choice. To become a chef next on Life Beats. This is Pulse 95. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Welcome back to Life Beats as I speak to one of the first chefs responsible for putting Lebanese cuisine on the map, Maroon Shadid. Here he talks to me about his unlikely career choice of becoming a chef.
1: So there was that George and Salvin, right. a friend, and uh, it was during the war, 1987, and like I'm 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 the younger at home. So uh, my brother and my two sisters, you know, they had to go to university, but it was very tough to do it because due to the roads, due to the war, due to all the many obstacles. So I, then I said, I don't want to go through this. I want to go do some technical, uh, technical school. What do I do? And I had that George one day, a friend. So George, what are you doing? I'm in Beirut. What are you doing in Beirut? I'm doing a hotel school. What does this mean? Now you become a chef or you become a waiter. In Arabic, he told me, you become a uh, ashi uh, or garçon. You know, it's very downgrading words. Yeah, 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 you
0: know, yeah. But at, at that time, it wasn't a thing to look up to, to become yeah, a chef. Yeah, yeah. And then
1: I s- asked, do I have to study a lot? He said, no. Do I have a lot of mathematics? He said, no. Uh, and can I find a good, decent job where I can make good living? He said, yes. I said, well, I think I'm going to do this. I
0: <laughs>
1: Halas. And then I went to Beirut, I applied and then I did the test, the interest, interest test and I went intern mm. because, you know, my family, we didn't have a home in Beirut. I went, it was very tough. And then I walked my way through to become whatever I became today.
0: And so in that, in that journey then, you it's know. It's a
1: 32 years journey.
0: It's incredible to think that you've been causing I had day 16 day. years old. You were 16 at that time? I left
1: home and I went intern in the war in Beirut, yes. Wow, yeah. so what we went that would have been difficult. Yeah, very difficult
0: during the war. Very
1: difficult.
0: Obviously, it's it's war, but how did that change everybody's relationship to the food then?
1: You know, we are a generation of chefs in Lebanon that you can count on your finger. Very modestly, I can say I'm one of those chefs, uh, not to say more. With that we worked a lot on elevating the image of the chef. In Lebanon and in the Middle East, not only in Lebanon. So we worked hard. We did a lot of, lot of effort, lot of competition. We have been invited all over the world. You know, I made the world with my career. You know, I presented. I would say I presented Lebanon, but yeah, I went whenever I go. I cook Lebanese. Like I'm here in in in, in today. I'm cooking another level of Lebanese cuisine. So, because at
0: that time when you're first you know starting out, even I, I, even 20 years ago, Lebanese cuisine wasn't right now. it's the it's a big trend. It's a huge trend. But at that time, what was the reaction like?
1: At that time you know when I wanted to go and like I'm telling you 32 years yeah. back, my all my family was against me. No, yeah. you shouldn't go do this. Yeah, you will be working while yeah. people are enjoying their time, no, 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 no. you will not see your family, you will not see your kids, and this is, this is all true. Right. This is all true. Right. But especially in our profession, if you're not passionate about it, if you don't know what you want, you can't bear the pressure and the stress of, of everything around you, everything, the clients, the restaurant, the manager, the chef, the colleagues, the heat, uh, and back then, kitchen wasn't like today. Mm-hmm. You know, that's very well ventilated, and and this, the condition wasn't the same. So uh, yes, it, it was very tough. And Lebanese cuisine, when I when I went into school, we didn't learn. We didn't learn Lebanese yeah. cuisine. You learn more internationally. Right standard or international cuisine mm-hmm. but you know I'm I'm maybe I think Lebanese cuisine is innate in me because of my mother and obviously I learned when I worked in restaurants and hotels and I learned more the, the restaurant part of a Lebanese cuisine how we prepared in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yet I believe that it always have to has the homey feel okay. Because Lebanese cuisine is is a Mediterranean cuisine and the Mediterranean is the sharing, the partage as we say in French. So it's the sharing, where we share the table, where we share discussion, where we share uh, our, our 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 worries, anxieties, and even our, our, our good moments and bad moments. So for us as Middle eastern when we eat at the table, when we sit there, we don't sit like European for like one, two, three course, half an hour, and then we finish. We sit like for hours.
0: Spending hours and hours just eating, talking. And enjoying it absolutely. Coming up, uh, Maroon shares the magic of his heritage with the world as he takes Lebanese cuisine global and talks to us about how he takes some of these incredible ingredients and turns them into something absolutely breathtaking. That's next here on Life Beats. Life beats with sally musa only on pulse
1: 95
0: Drawing from the breathtaking Mediterranean landscape, Lebanese cuisine is not only amongst the tastiest, but amongst the healthiest in the world. When Lebanese chef Maroun Shadid first took it to the world, the cornucopia of flavors was both exotic and dazzling to an international palate.
1: Lebanese cuisine today is very well known for a cuisine that is very healthy. Yeah because of its uh, uh, major selection that is mostly vegetarian, mostly vegetarian. Mm -hmm. And as you will know that today, I don't want to say the trend, people are coming back more veggies, more cereals, less protein, less meat, less poultry and less fish. Mm -hmm. So now we're going more into this, which is I think the best, this is, I think, the, the, the Mediterranean food pyramid. Yes. So if you take the Mediterranean food pyramid, you start with cereals, and, and then you move to... That's, that's it, what they're then, saying.
0: That it's the healthiest diet, the, the Mediterranean yes, diet. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. The olive oil. Right. Nothing absolutely. Beats, nothing
1: beats olive oil.
0: Tell me about the olive oil from Lebanon.
1: It's the best olive oil in the world. Is it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. can't say that to a Palestinian. <laughs>
1: No, in Lebanon we have obviously have great olive oil, great olives. Uh, I personally, in my restaurants, we use the olive oil from our gardens. Wow. Yeah. And we have a product that's called Georgette by Mm -hmm. which is in which we have like a selection of olive oil that is bio extra virgin. And I can assure you, it competes with the very best olive oil in the world
0: what makes the best olive oil what is it about it that separates it from the, the rest
1: listen the best olive oil is not about only Lebanon or Greece or, or Italy or, or the best olive oil is the way it is treated from when it's in the tree and in the sun yes. and all the weather condition and when it's picked up from the tree you know that when you pick up a, a, an olive yes. uh, olive fruit yes. because we call it fruit yes. an olive fruit you shouldn't scratch it if you scratch it then you, every, there will, and there, it will go under an oxidization process, and this will damage the olive oil. This way, you will never have an extra virgin olive oil. And between between harvesting and pressing, there should be not more than six hours. And every single fruit has to be intact. And you know, on the on the, on the olive tree, sometimes the bird comes and truck So everyone that is picked by the bird, it has to put separately. No, it should be maybe uh, 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 squeezed, as we say, but used maybe for soap or used for different purposes. Different purposes. Yeah. Yeah. So well, this is what makes really a very good olive oil. It's like what makes a good cuisine. Yeah. You know, what makes a good cuisine is the raw material, is the best raw right. material. But this is not enough. If you don't know how to treat the raw material and you keep the integrity of the raw material, the integrity of the lettuce, the integrity of the tomato, the integrity of the meat, the integrity of of the hummus, the integrity, and then you lose it. So today is, we go into more purest, simple, yet sophisticated cuisine with a lot of balance. Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't forget always about the balance. It has to be, it has to be a uh, always thought of, it has to be modern, yes, but we shouldn't lose the essence. That's so
0: important. Tell me about the importance of
1: technique for you. Listen, technique, technique it helps you to, today, good chefs is a combination of, I think they should, they have to be technicians. They have to be educated to learn about the science and the physics and the chemistry of food. And this is what makes them a good technicians. Uh, they have to have the passion so if you lose one of those mm-hmm. you lose the balance some way somehow along the way it's not just an assembling like 101 ingredient put it in a plate and that makes a good dish what makes a good dish is when you take three four ingredients and you create something wow out of it yeah uh, and this is only because of the good technique mm-hmm. so good technique serves to enhance your your product or to enhance let me say a very technical and scientific word the organoleptic property of the recipe which is the way through five senses say that again organoleptic organoleptic organoleptic
0: organoleptic properties i just learned something here okay.
1: properties is the way it looks the way it feels the way it smells the way it sounds and the way it uh, it tastes so it's your five senses
0: you know for you You're very concerned with heritage. This is very important to you. But at the same time, you have to be creating new flavors. Ah, Absolutely. So how do you do that?
1: If you understand your heritage, if you understand your past, your present, then you understand, obviously, and you have a vision for the future with this technicality and education and passion and love for what you do. And obviously understanding what you want. And this is where you can create the link. Hmm between for me for example between the past and the present and the future because for me whenever I taste anything sometimes it takes me back to a certain moment that I lived to a particular corner in my hometown it can be when I was a kid playing with with my with my friends you know? I suppose, you know when you were a kid when you live in a place where like I used to be everybody has uh, has has produced so in the season yeah. i can tell you which which is the first uh, uh apricot tree that get mature in town you and know we, which one course, is going to be the first fruit, the first one you? and get mature we go me and my friends to eat <laughs> and, the honor, and the owner and the owner follow us <laughs> throwing us with stones this we're kids
0: that, but that's amazing because it just shows how connected you are to the earth. Yeah, of course. How connected you are to the seasons. How connected you know food is life and and life
1: is food. Yeah, because what you feed your body is what makes you at the end of the day, it makes your spirit. What makes so it's it's a mix of all of those. The hard part in this is to transmit it right, to others. Right. How do you do it? Hardly. <laughs>
0: Did, be with a lot of difficulties, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. But, I mean, but you just need really to be very well surrounded. You just need a good chef around you. You have to be very well seconded with somebody who understands the same, or you, at least, you make him understand. Mm-hmm. But it has to be like five, six years working together. Mm-hmm. I have, I have a colleague coming with me now. He's in the kitchen working. I saw, I think, you saw him. Nader, Nader has been, has been working with me for ten years, and so Nader understands. It's it's really very hard, so you have to be on top of it. Yeah. And, and you have to create the recipe, create standards, create processes, create, 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 create. But you, you can give anything, but you can't give the feeling.
0: You can give anything, but you can't give the feeling. Coming up, Chef Maroon talks cooking at a home. And why he believes that no matter what, there should always be a home-cooked meal on the table. This is something you want to listen to next. جرب اني انسا Shali Moussa, only on Pulse 95. Welcome back to Life Beats and my conversation with world renowned Lebanese chef Maroun Shadid. As a curator of the Shababik menu, the dishes he presents are playful and innovative, but always rooted. ...in the beautiful land and traditions of his home country of Lebanon. Here he talks about why he sources organic produce... ...and why he believes that the foundation of family life... ...is a lovingly prepared, home-cooked meal.
1: I think uh, organic is something very important... ...because today we don't know really where our produce is coming from... ...whether it's meat, fish, poultry or vegetables or anything... Uh, buying organic is something very good Having encouraging people To cook at home, yes of course Because you know it's What I think it's too unfortunate today That it's a less And less people cooking at home mm. Like in the old days You know, the mother used to learn The daughter used to learn from the mother mm. And then so on and so forth Today, the mother do not know how to cook So how about the daughter? So we have a lot of heritage that's being lost, a recipes that's being unproduced and it's being diluted with all this burger mania things and, and tacos and, and, and all this foreign invasion that's coming into our, our, our part of the world. And our uh, I don't say this is bad. I'm not saying, but this, it can, our life it can't revolve only around having a burger or having, uh, why not having a stew at home? Mm. Why not having a a great family meal at home? Mm. Why doesn't the mother cook? So.
0: A lot of people will tell you that the mother is busy working outside of the home. And by the time she gets home, it's going to be too, too much. What would you say?
1: I would say, I would say, if I would say, if they want to do it, they could do it, but she can come home, and then she can go out and have dinner outside. I think it's, it's also important for a married woman when she cooks for her kids, so it's a way also of showing her love, showing her passion, showing her when she dresses the table, when they come back from school, and when when, when I'm married, you know, when, when, when we got the second kid, I asked my wife to stop working, and now she's working again, you know, because my kids are in university now, are they growing up, but uh, she's at home every day when they come back.
0: It's it's essential. It's, it's not.
1: essential because because this is what really makes uh, what keep us as as Mid Eastern as Orientals as uh, uh, because we are still known for our family bonds and this family bonds is also being diluted and and food and the table is one of the most intimate things that gathers family. We only as far as I remember when I was a kid we only gather for lunch and especially for dinner. With the father. Yeah. Even if it's a very humble dinner, it's just a light supper. Really. Yeah,
0: it's just a light yeah. supper, but we light. gather,
1: we eat. And my mother used to peel the oranges for every single one of us to eat the oranges lemon. I'm talking mostly during winter because summer nobody stays at home. Yeah. <laughs> <Everything> vacation. <now.
0: laughs> Chef Maroon also lets us in on the secrets of how he manages. To create dishes that speak to his heritage but are always new and inspiring, think mushroom croquettes with halloumi and habbat al baraka, molad, hummus infused with basil oil, smoked Bulgarian cheese with zahtar and spiced almonds, samkahara gratin, fragrant, slow-cooked leg of lamb with mastic cardamom, black lumi and served with truffle frike, nuts and crispy glazed vegetables. Here he tells me how he came up with his incredible dessert, orange blossom crumble, with spicy date jelly. But the dessert,
1: you know, we don't have a crumble in our cuisine. No. We have crumble? Right, no. We don't have tart. No. So we took we made a crumble out of of, of a biscuit like have uh, a Dark so that we added to it the orange blossom water and it's molded in a shape, in a certain shape and we have we eat date right yeah so we took the date we made a date puree with spices and almond and we made the date into a jelly mm-hmm. very soft jelly you don't heal and then we took we, we ate a lot of pistachio right mm-hmm. so we made that out of the pistachio this dough that's made was uh, mawadid yeah beautiful. and on top of it instead of putting halewe, so we made like in crème patière or like a cream uh, uh crème montée crème montée mm-hmm. It's, it's, there is a chocolate, white chocolate in the cream to make it cold. And there is the halawa to give it the halawa taste. So if you, when you eat halawa, you eat halawa pistachio, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And halawa is not as tasty with date, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And it's also tasty with orange blossom water, right? Mm-hmm. So if you put all this combination together in a very logical techniques, it works and then if you add the mandarin sorbet because there is you have the halawa sweetness you have the date you have the pistachio and you have the orange blossom and then bring in acidity that comes from the mandarin okay and and the subtleness of the mandarin sorbet this is where we create the balance between the sweet and the acid and the fruity and...
0: This is where the artistry comes in and the years of experience of and the years of tasting and the years
1: of... This is a dessert that took us like two weeks to, 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 to perfect.
0: Wow. To more than two weeks. How many times did you test it?
1: You know, test it like maybe 10, 15, 20 times and <laughs> every time we change. Because
0: yeah, you have to get the balance right.
1: You have to get the balance, we have to, get to, we have to be modern. Yeah. We have to be contemporary, we have to be different.
0: As inspiration for his contemporary style, Chef Maroon counts the French masters as some of his biggest influences, including Alain Ducasse, Joao Robichon, and Paul Bocuse. But when I asked him about the greatest meal that he's ever eaten, there is one chef that he places above all others. <laughs> M'jadra and fattoush, that sounds amazing. Yeah. I just made uh, m'jadra and fattoush This day. is
1: the best meal, I yani, if you it's give so it... It's so simple. You know,
0: there is nothing in it. It's like, I I make m'jadra it, when it's it, I need something it's
1: quick. Unless it's, it's done right.
0: Yeah, if it's... Exactly, it has to be done if right. If you have the right
1: the right lentils and the right, you know,
0: everything. The, onion, yeah. the crispy onion yeah.
1: on top. Yeah. Uh, you have to do it right. because they fresh. The I'm best meal ever: Lebni oil That's the thing about this
0: food. It's so simple, but it's so divine.
1: Okay, I can tell you, I went to a three-michelin-star restaurant. Of course, I can tell you that I went to this and that, but I wouldn't remember every single dish more than I remember the mjadra and fattoush and Lebanese. That's amazing. For me, this is the comfort food. You know, and when i go out in Beirut. I don't go out to a far to to European restaurants, or I go out to really? eat Lebanese. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much, Maroon Ashteed.
0: Amazing. What
1: a pleasure. Pleasure is mine. And thank you for being here for this amazing interview.
0: So fantastic speaking to him. And when I asked Chef Maroon what was next for him, he showed me the tattoo on his forearm. It reads, Don't tell me the sky is the limit when there are footprints on the moon. An incredible personality creating magic with beautiful ingredients every day. You can actually vote now for the BBC Good Food Middle East Awards. Uh, Voting is open until November the 3rd. And Sharjah Shababik is in the top 10 under the category for Best Middle Eastern Restaurant for Dubai and the Northern Emirates. That does it for us here today on Life Beats on Pulse 95. We'll be back again with you tomorrow from 10 a.m.
1: This is Pulse95. Tune in
0: live every weekday from 10am...